Hello, and welcome to Husband and Wife Time, a podcast celebrating Lifetime movies. I'm Matt Capriletti. And I'm Elizabeth Blickle. Since we posted our first episode, our friends and family have been really supportive, which is great. But also the hosting site that we use gives us basic stats about who's downloading the podcast. Just general stuff like number of downloads and general location for the downloads. It would be way too meta if we were able to stalk people through a podcast about Lifetime movies. Especially a podcast that started off with Stalked by My Doctor. Exactly. But it's been so much fun seeing downloads pop up in England, France, Germany, Colorado, Washington State, Dallas, Texas. Plus it plays into my love of maps and geography, so thank you for that. It's basically the closest we've been to travel in a really long time, so we appreciate it. And thank you so much for listening. Now, on with the show. This week we're going to be talking about a gift-wrapped Christmas. Very topical. In A Gift-Wrapped Christmas, Gwen is a personal shopper. She's played by Meredith Hagner, who's a cute, bubbly blonde who is as sparkly as the topper on a Christmas tree. And Gwen is assigned to Charlie Baker, who's played by... Travis Mill. A classic, handsome, brunette Canadian who plays a workaholic widower with a young son named Owen. Uh, you know, and, and I'm going to add that Owen was played by an actor named Anthony Bolognese, which, <laughs> I mean, just amazing. Like, is this, you know, does he have a cousin, Ralphie Ravioli? No offense, but... Um... Charlie hires Gwen to buy him a suit for his Christmas party and presents for his coworkers and clients. Gwen has a whole bunch of responsibilities. I mean, Charlie Baker, high-powered finance exec, has a list a mile long. (laughs) So Gwen has other plans in mind. She wants to break Charlie out of his shell and show him there's more to life than working. Like the meaning of Christmas (laughs) and actually spending time with his son. Charlie also has a chilly corporate girlfriend named Victoria. Will Gwen and Charlie end up together? Of course they will. It's a Lifetime movie. We don't even need to tell you the plot of this movie beyond what we've already told you because you know exactly what happens. Unlike last week where there were so many plot twists and turns that we really had to give you a point-by-point plot description, this week we're just going to discuss in general terms because you know exactly what happens. It ends with snowflakes and a kiss. It's a Christmas movie. And it's great. It's one of the best ever. And there's still a ton to unpack. So let's dive in. (laughs) Okay. But we did tell you that we were going to explain to you why we have such an intense personal attachment to this movie. And why it is our only holiday tradition. So the story is, in 2015, if I wanted to do this Golden Girls style, I would say, picture it, Chinatown, 2015. (laughs) Does that mean we can take it back to 1920 Sicily instead? No. We have to stay in Chinatown, 2015 to tell this story. So... One night in our glamorous Manhattan apartment that is exactly like they show it in the movies, we had our water turn brown. So the next morning, I walked to Dwayne Reed on Essex and Delancey to get water since I wasn't sure our water would run clear or brown. And when I was in the aisle where they have the water bottles, apologies if anyone is squeamish, but I puked blood. And in my memory the amount of blood has started to grow from basically what I think is pro- was probably 
about eight fluid ounces to now in my mind, it's like that scene in The Shining where all of the blood is coming down over the elevator doors. That's how I picture this aisle. It was probably not that bad. No matter which way you slice it, it's still a lot of blood. It's still blood. More blood that is usually on the floor of most Dwayne Reeds. So the very kind Dwayne Reed workers helped me get into a taxi and go to the hospital. I sent them a thank you note later, don't worry. And also felt incredibly bad because someone had to... <laughs> someone had to mop up my blood. So that day I was in the hospital and I started feeling better, but they wanted to keep me for an endoscopy. And I'm an anxious person all the time. And so the concept of surgery and unknowns and letting go of control, not really my strong suit. So that night, the kind nurses let Matt stay after visitors hours to pacify me. Yeah, they let me stay till at least, it was like midnight by the time I went I home. mean, if they saw how nervous I was, I'm not surprised. They were like, we don't want to deal with her. Let him keep her calm. And unfortunately, one of the things that most New Yorkers can tell you is that private rooms are reserved for the likes of Beyonce. So I did not have a private room. I had a room that I shared with an elderly woman who wanted to go to sleep earlier. So as soon as she went to sleep, we started watching movies with the sound off. And until then, we thought we were too cool to watch Lifetime Christmas movies. We had seen that one with David Hasselhoff, The Christmas Consultant, and Caroline Ray. Don't watch that one. Don't watch that one. Unless you're a really big David Hasselhoff fan. We were too cool for that movie. I don't know why we thought we were too cool for Christmas movies. We're the couple that watches Lifetime movies together. We're not too cool for anything. But... That was the night we gave up our ban on Christmas movies. And with the sound off, we watched A Gift-Wrapped Christmas. And a few days later, after I left left the hospital, I'm fine. I was always fine. (laughs) Aside from the vomiting blood, I was perfect. Uh, (laughs) But it ended up being fine. A few days later, we left the hospital. And we ended up going home and watching A Gift-Wrapped Christmas again with the sound on. Turns out, it's basically the same watching it with the sound off and the sound on. You know what, exactly what's happening. Either way, you slice it. But yet a testament to uh, just the stellar quality of the acting, principally one Meredith Hagner. Meredith Hagner is the benchmark against which we now measure all holiday actors and actresses. And it might seem easy to say, oh, of course she is. That's the f- That was your gateway drug. She was the first one you saw. So of course that's the benchmark. But I will tell you, I think Meredith Hagner is to holiday movies what Eric Roberts is to your standard Lifetime movie. She is the one to beat that is a gauntlet I'm throwing down for all other actors and actresses. Beat them. I would love to watch someone give a better performance. There may be flashier names. But I have yet to see a better performance. Part of the reason why I think Meredith Hagner is so good, first of all, she's just like insanely likable. She's got this Kate Hudson-y, Goldie Hawn quality to her, which is funny because we'll talk about some trivia later, but she's just the perfect effervescent blonde. And... She understood exactly what the brief was for the movie. She knows that you're supposed to come in on 11. So when she is happy, she is visibly so happy. When she's sad, it's like the sad face in the happy and sad masks for acting. It, like There's no indecipherable 
moment in the movie. She reminds me a lot of a silent film actress. And I think that's why we were able to watch it without the sound on. And then equally why, why it's good with the sound on. And I think part of that might be her training in soaps or just who she is. I don't know, but she does a perfect job at it. Incredible. So that's why we liked it so much. And that's our bloody story with it. And if you've stuck around through that long story, now we will reward you by talking to you a little bit about some of the finer points of this movie. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that we're going to spend a lot of time on is just the um, contrast between Gwen and Victoria, the Ice Queen girlfriend. We first meet her, and she's in the process of stealing a cab from a mom and her two children, just jumping right in front of them. Who are dressed identically in red coats and red berets and look like little ghosts from the 1900s in France. And, you know, she also takes Charlie and Owen to a restaurant, a fancy restaurant. And poor poor Owen, who's about eight, wants a, a cheeseburger. And he ends up getting uh, a Wagyu burger with a wasabi cotton candy foam. And Victoria's like, it's gastromolecular. Which is not the right combination of words. No, it's molecular think. gastronomy. First of all. And second of all, Matt and I have spent... A not inconsiderable amount of time this weekend discussing what that actually means. We have tried to figure out if they mean that there is a burger and then atop the burger there is a foam that is flavored with both wasabi and cotton candy. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Now, if that is the case, which based on the combination of words that comes out of the server's mouth, it should be. That is disgusting. (laughs) I know you love cotton candy. I love cotton candy. I love wasabi. And I also love burgers. And sometimes combinations that you do not expect to be good are very good. One of my favorite burgers in the entire world is from Swenson's. And it has brown sugar in the patty. I wouldn't expect brown sugar to be good in a burger, but it really is. I do not think cotton candy, wasabi, and beef could possibly be good. And I think what they actually wanted to convey was that there would be some kind of cotton candy texture. Like that there would be a cotton candy of some... A spun substance, sugar, a or spicy spun substance of some flavor. I like but the not, way that sounds. Spicy spun not, substance, but not cotton candy flavor. And then there would also be the patty, and then there would be a wasabi foam. I think that's what they wanted to convey. But if that is what they wanted to convey, I have follow-up questions. Do they use? the patty between the cotton candy and the foam. If not, I know cotton candy well enough, which is not very much, to know that cotton candy plus fluid, or in this case, foam, equals sticky mess. No wonder he didn't want to eat that burger. Yeah, of course. And plus it sets up uh, Gwen to look like the 
approachable, fun. Yes. In every instance, be it a Wagyu beef wasabi cotton candy burger at this restaurant that no eight-year-old should be at. In every way, Victoria, played by Anna Van Hooft, Mm. is cast as the Antiguan. She is tall. She is a statuesque brunette. She is very career-focused. She wants Owen to have a nanny. She doesn't really care about Christmas. She's allergic to pine, for Pete's sake. She's allergic to pine. Now, she's cast as a villain for all these things, for being what in the 60s they would have called a career girl. She has ambitions. But when we break her down, is she an ideal character? No. But they cast her as, like, monstrous for buying her boyfriend and his son surprise tickets to go to the beach for Christmas. Yeah, those probably weren't refundable tickets. Probably not refundable. Also, we'll never look at travel again the same way. That was so generous of her. And she was taking time off of her busy schedule because, you know, she's like grinding away at her job. She's even on her phone recording Uh, conversation openers to use with potential clients, icebreakers. Victor Porter really liked the octopus at the loft. And and so she actually gives herself a voice memo. And she's going to hit him up at the supper club about it. Oh, yeah. And she's a force to be reckoned with, so... Let's talk cephalopods. But they cast her as the villain for doing something like buying tickets for a surprise trip, which to me, it's sort of like... Okay, maybe she should have asked what they wanted to do for Christmas. And it's not your classic Christmas, which in this movie, if you're not celebrating Christmas in a specific way, you're doing it all wrong. But I still think it's nice. And also just an important thing to note about her character, she has a pine allergy. And they want to spend Christmas at a cabin in the woods where she would spend the entire holiday sneezing and then her eyes would get all puffy and her nose would be running. It's just, it seems so rude. Yeah, no, you've got a point there, hon. They're just kind of really, you know, painting her as the villain in every possible way. I mean, when uh, Charlie is kind of starting to warm up to Gwen's personal touch, she purchases him a uh, a red button-down shirt oh for the Christmas party. And yes. what does Victoria say? We're corporate professionals, not Vegas entertainers. <laughs> it was a burgundy Oxford. It was not shiny. There was no sparkle to it. I mean, it didn't look like he was about to be performing at a bar mitzvah. Mind you, she was wearing the biggest statement necklace I've ever seen someone wear in a traditional finances firm office whatever they do their fi- their company is extremely suspicious to me for reasons that i can discuss including decor and the fact that we've watched this movie six times now and cannot make heads or tails of who works together and who does not and what they do his office is so empty that if i walked in and sat down as a client i would be like oh they're running a pyramid scheme here, right? I mean, there's like nothing. There are no papers. All of which is beside the point. She's wearing a necklace that no one would call corporate professional. It looks like something they would wear on like Vanderpump rules. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. But going back to her allergy to pine and just general distaste for Christmas. I mean, 
Liz, we have to really get into the the Christmas party scene and how Victoria is cheating at a game of Name That Carol. That is one instance where I can agree that she is a legitimate villain. There are one or two instances where I'm like, okay, you're not just casting her as a villain because she wants to have a job. Cheating at a game that you're playing at an office Christmas party and it's not even your office where like conceivably the only thing you win could be bragging rights. It's a little low. Yeah. And I mean... And it offends Matt's karaoke sensibilities to his core. Yeah, I mean, they're just playing name that tune with Christmas carols, and she's there not so subtly uh, using Shazam to (laughs) identify up on the housetop. But apparently, wouldn't you know, if you win a round to name that carol, you have to sing the carol. And And she she cannot. the words. Yeah. Uh, Which then, I guess, sets up one of the... I don't know, most interesting scenes in the entire film. It is a scene which one Amazon reviewer said was so disrespectful. She, I'm assuming she, stop. I mean, I'm assuming she, because basically us and mobs are the viewing audience for Lifetime Christmas movies. But she said it was so offensive that she turned the movie off afterwards. <laughs> what could cause such a reaction, you, you, you wonder? Next round of Name That Carol. And, oh my goodness, Pat, the uh, plucky uh, administrative assistant who's running the game, plays the song. And wouldn't you know, both Gwen and Charlie get the answer right at the same time. It's Silent Night. The sexiest of all Christmas carols. (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) the way they sing it, I suppose. So Gwen and Charlie lock eyes and sing this duet and we don't know anything about film terms. We're just going to be honest. The camera swirls around them in one of those classic romance shots. It where is might as well be La La Land. <laughs> while they're singing this. And if my grandma were describing it before she passed away, she would have said that they were making eyes at each other yeah. while they're singing this overtly religious song. Yeah, I mean, it is mesmerizing. You just can't take your eyes off of it. This scene is confusing. I understand the impulse to use music that is in the public domain. You don't have to pay for because let's be honest, based on the amount of snow in the settings that we see, the budge for this was a little low. But if I could offer a suggestion for how this scene could have been made better. And this is also a general Christmas recommendation from me to you, audience. They should have been singing this duet to In Sync's Under My Tree. Now, a Liz Blickle favorite. This is my favorite Christmas song of all time. If you've never heard it, I just gave you the best gift wrap present you've ever received in your entire life. It's the funniest Christmas song you've ever heard. And it is sexual. So they could have sung it to each other. Quite over And had a romantic moment that would have felt less awkward than having a romantic moment singing about a baby messiah. That's true. You can definitely find it online. It's worth a listen. I'm going to go farther than that. Matt's willing to say it's worth a listen. I'm willing to say 
even if that song cost $10 on iTunes to own, <laughs> you, you should pay $10 just for that song. I, if I was in sync, I would have made that song album only so that you would have to buy the whole album just to get that song. It is iconic. <laughs> but that is my note to past directors about how to fix that scene. And yes, you're going to have to shell out in sync money to make it right. Yeah. But you'd make it so right. So anyways, Victoria picks up on this steaming hot moment. Who wouldn't? Yes. I mean, many a great romance has started to this Christmas Carol. Yeah. (laughs) And... I mean, how many couples say like, oh, Silent Night, that's our song? (laughs) How many... How many people use it as their first song at their wedding? (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Matt loves first songs. I do. So she tries to put the kibosh on this relationship by going to Gwen's office and telling her that Charlie wants an engagement ring for her. So Gwen should help guide him in the purchase of this. From Tiffany's. Nothing less than two carrots, right? Nothing less than two carrots, a baguette. I don't know anything about diamonds, but I do know... I'm a little hungry. A baguette sounds delicious, but... (laughs) But she makes this request. And in this moment, I do feel like they were appropriate in casting her as the materialistic one where Gwen, all Gwen wants are things money can't buy, like snow and Christmas carols, which will come up later. But I understand this. And I understand the impulse that most Christmas movies have. It's a very simple plot way to make something work, to have like hometown girl comes home and she sees her high school friend or crush or ex-boyfriend and he's dating this ice queen and eventually he breaks up with her and ends up with the right girl. But what I would say is it's a little facile and... I don't love that it pits women against women mm-hmm. and portrays some women as cool and worthy enough. You know, cool Gwen. Should we talk about the football game? Oh, let's talk about the football okay, game. Talk- All right, so, sports fans. So Gwen is the cool one. You know, she gets along with kids and she talks to everyone on the street. And when she shows up at Charlie's house and Charlie and Owen are playing football, of course she's going to dive right in. She gets along with kids and she was a tomboy growing up. So, you know, she's the right kind of girl. I mean, you can even see her calling signals like, uh, you know, Peyton Manning better watch out because she's like 79 potato go. (laughs) And of course she trips. Of course. Because she's wearing... She's wearing high heel boots. Yeah. So, I mean, she really was game for joining into this game in high heeled boots and running around. Because honestly, they do not look easy to walk or run in. They're at least four inches. And if it's been snowing, it's muddy. I don't know. I wouldn't run around in those. I mean, it gives a really good opportunity for her and Charlie to kind of amp up the, yes. the, the, the tension between them, even though he's still technically with Victoria. And even though not technically, he is right in front of his kid. And nothing screams romance like having a five slash eight year old around <laughs> to watch. So, of course, she trips. And then in classic romance twist, 
Charlie gives her his clothes to wear and he gives her his big shirt. And of course she looks so cute in it because Meredith Hagner actually is really cute. And she looks so teeny and she's just a cute little girl. And it's the only shirt he has because all he has are suits and they're all either black (laughs) Black. or black. (laughs) Yeah. So that was the football. I mean, there's nothing else to it except that at every turn we're being shown this is the right way to be a Christmas girlfriend. And this is the wrong way to be a Christmas girlfriend. Yeah. Don't be materialistic. Be one of the cool guys, but also be hot. Yeah. And, you know, but be approachable. Like, you know, driving a classic car named Daisy, which That's was a, your dad's yeah. old car. It's a rundown car that she drives for sentimental reasons. Yeah. What else do we want to get into about this movie? I mean, there is so much, and it's such a great movie. And uh, the writer of it, Barbara Kimlicka, I mean, everything she touches turns to gold. I mean, yes, we will be covering her at great length and also trying to get her on the podcast, which she will refuse. But maybe not because she's a Canadian, so I hope she's nice enough to be like, okay. Um, (laughs) Because it's the title of the movie, I for a second want to talk about the subject of gift giving. Gwen's whole job is shopping for people, and she claims that she never wants to buy a gift for someone that doesn't make them feel really special and loved. With that in mind, the gift that Charlie gives his administrative assistant through Gwen, from Gwen, he does, he's, you know, he's got a personal shopper, he's not buying these gifts, is a backrest for her office chair, which is not a gift. Although she has a really bad back, and, and she it's does. the first thing Pat says when we meet her. She, I, I understand, but that is a basic office expense. If her chair is giving her back problems, she is unable to do her job. It would be like not giving her paper clips, and then on her birthday, giving her a box of paper clips with a stupid bow, and being like, happy birthday, Pat enjoy these paper clips and it's like well boss i couldn't have done my job without them so it's not a gift a gift is something she can take home a gift is something that doesn't aid in the function of her job so you're thinking more like the the client gift baskets that gwen gets for like that that old guy who is really excited about the fact that the gift basket of his contained 20-year-old McGinty scotch and uh, what did he call them? French macaroons that his wife really loved. I'm saying if he had taken 10 minutes to know this woman who basically sets him up with what we understand to be his future wife, because that's the direction it's going to go, he might have been able to buy her a gift that didn't have to do with just completing her basic job function. Again, it's something you can take home And if it has a personal touch, it should be something specific to you. Right. Having received gifts from Liz before, uh, she is an excellent gift giver. Early on in our relationship, she knew how much I loved condiments, and she gave me a condiment of the month club. So it was not a real club. It was just me once a month buying Matt a different condiment. So it was amazing. (laughs) If you're looking for this condiment club, you're not going to find it. You can contact us through our (laughs) Gmail and I'll help you figure out what condiments to give the person who wants them. But it also comes up when we get to the end of the movie where Gwen has realized she loves Charlie and she wants to put it on the line. And Pat has assisted their romance by saying she's too busy to drive up to the cabin to give Charlie his gift for his son. Now, what his son wanted for Christmas more than anything was 
to go to the cabin and go on a toboggan ride with his father. Just like he used to before, before his, his mom, mom died. died. Now, Charlie, to his credit, buys a toboggan. To Charlie's discredit, Charlie does not have a plan for how to get that toboggan to the cabin. As evidenced by Pat at the office on Christmas Eve, picking up the phone and Charlie saying, can you drive it up here? And she says, no, she has a function to attend to. And she says, why don't you just drive back and get it? And he says, no, Owen would see it. Well, my response would be, then you did not have a plan for this from the beginning because Owen would have seen it on the first drive up as well. I mean, this is seemingly the only gift that your son wants. And Charlie Baker is pretty well off. I mean... Have a plan! Strap it to the roof in a box or something. I don't know, but if it's all your son wanted and you're his only parent, come off it. Anyways, so Pat basically sets it up so that Gwen can go to the cabin so that they will have a moment. Yeah. Pat's working this angle. So Gwen drives Daisy, her dad's old car, Daisy breaks down. She walks miles in high-heeled boots carrying a toboggan. That seats three people. A three-seater toboggan. So again, I need to set that scene. Gwen walks multiple miles in high-heeled boots on the side of the highway carrying a three-seater red natch toboggan to a bus station where she waits three hours at night In the dark, she then takes a five-hour bus ride with a toboggan to get to the cabin. And when she shows up after this many-staged journey, Charlie Baker's gift to her for Christmas is a snow globe. (laughs) And I tell you, if I had walked five steps in heels carrying a three-seater toboggan and matt gave me a snow globe that he bought on the side of the street that's where charlie bought it i would throw that snow globe (laughs) with such a force at one of the windows of that cabin turn on my heel and walk out of that cabin for good that is and you'd have to walk back to to another six-hour bus ride wouldn't care (laughs) that's that's the kind of decision you make in the moment and then deal with the, the repercussions with after fair enough a snow globe is not enough for the journey gwen embarked on for a movie that gift giving is the key their gifts are not that good Owen is given the literal gift he's asked for, and everyone else gets lackluster gifts. And mind you, I am not saying this because of price point. One of my favorite gifts from Matt was astronaut ice cream. I love astronaut ice cream. This really does. It doesn't have to be expensive, but do not give someone a snow globe unless you really know they want it. Or are prepared to deal with the fluid that uh, is going to uh, be on your hands once they throw it at you. Yes. I never said at. I would have thrown it out a window. Okay. There might have been some backsplash. I don't support in... I don't... I don't support in... I don't support violence. 
And certainly not with snow globes. Certainly not with snow globes. It's just not very festive. But I do not support a gift that basic. I mean, just do better. Do better. Anyways, so that is one of my bees in my bonnet, is that we could have done a little better on gift giving for a gift wrap at Christmas. A snow globe? Come on. Yeah. All right. Anything else you want to talk about? You know, there's just one last thing, and this is kind of going global. Okay. But this movie, like many Lifetime Christmas movies and holiday Christmas movies, so many deceased parents. What are these parents dying of? (laughs) It is true. Nothing starts a Lifetime Christmas movie quite like a dead spouse. Why can't they just be divorced? I mean, it's stickier. divorce is so common. It's I... so common, but it's stickier plot-wise. Matt and I just watched the opening moments of Twinkle All the Way, in which, is there a character named Twinkle? You bet there's a character named Twinkle. And she's great. <laughs> and she's great. But there's a divorced wife in that, and you have to explain why the other person is never around. The real reason... The other person is never around is because they don't have the budget to pay another actor to play the divorced spouse. And then they'd also have to write them into the plot. It's sad, but it's tidier to be like, they're dead. The convenience of... It's convenient. Yeah, right. Easy enough to answer, It's like a fairy tale. It's Well, it's not that easy to answer. I mean, you... it, It would be... You know, a few years ago, Sesame Street had an episode about parents who were in prison because they were like... Listen, the reality of it is lots of kids have parents who are in prison. We should talk about this because it's something kids are dealing with. To your point, divorce is an extremely common thing. Probably more common even than having a parent in prison. I don't know why that's the analogy I'm making, but it is. I'm riding it out to the end. Um, <laughs> but it it seems like you could do a better job of reflecting the world in which we live rather than a world in which, like, 30% of marriages end in death. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. I agree. I mean, I mean, that's a that's a note to Lifetime writers. Fewer, fewer dead spouses, more divorce. <laughs> I've got some trivia for this episode. <laughs> okay. We switched it up, and this time, because Matt is more of the trivia master, Matt is going to give me some trivia. So... There is a bunch of good stuff here, so it's tough, you know, limiting myself to to just a couple of pieces. Uh, but let's start with Charlie Baker. Did you know that? Well, first of all, Charlie Baker is the name of the governor of Massachusetts. Okay. Um, unrelated. He, uh, They're yeah. not related. No. It's not that governor. Completely unrelated. But the actual actor Travis Milne, who plays Charlie Baker, his real name—I kid you not—according to IMDb is George Travis. Daryl Milne, the 11th. There have been 11 George Milnes. Wait, hit me with those names again. George Travis Daryl, like Harold, but with a D. Milne, okay. the 11th. I was hearing that D, and I wanted to <laughs> yeah, address it, it. It's like Garrel in Broad City. So, <laughs> uh, But yeah, he's the 11th, and his dad was George Milne, the 10th. Well, I mean... I mean, I know that's how that works, but... Well, it doesn't have to be his dad. It could have been his granddad or something like that, but... Sure. Like, I, I, I don't know. I was I was dumbfounded. Daryl? Daryl. <laughs> that's what you seem to be stuck on. I, can't, 
I can't get past it. Normally you think of a numeral as being aristocratic or attempting aristocratic, but you really cut that off at the legs when Daryl D <laughs> is one of the names. I guess so. It doesn't have that, you know, I went to Wittendale ring to it. That's, that's for sure. That's for sure. Yeah, no. I, okay, so hit me with my next bit of trivia. Yeah, so I don't know how often, and this is probably something I should look into, Lifetime movies are exported to other countries. Oh, dear. But uh, um, <laughs> Is this like shirts of the presidents who don't win that we export to other places? Well, I very easily found the Italian dubbed version of this movie, Il Perfetto Regalo di Natale, which means the perfect Christmas gift. Okay. Uh, and... Uh, In this case, I suppose the perfect Christmas gift would be love and not that stupid... Again, that <laughs> stupid snow globe. Love is a per. It, you know what? Love is a perfect gift. Yeah. And a but, snow globe is a phone in. Which then, I guess, brings us around to Meredith Hagner herself. You know, yes. You 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 may or may not know this about her, but uh, Meredith Hagner is married to a man named Wyatt Russell, and that Wyatt Russell uh, comes from Kurt Russell. Uh, he is a son of Kurt Russell. And Goldie Hawn, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, means that Meredith Hagner is Kate Hudson's sister-in-law. And and the daughter-in-law of Goldie Hawn. Yeah, exactly. So um, we also learned that as of this taping, she is pregnant. Yay! Um, congratulations with Goldie Spawn. Goldie Spawn. Matt was setting me up to say that. I could not hold it in. It is like a champagne cork in the bottle, but it's kind of been tapped off and you kind of just have to touch it with your thumb. I've been dying to say that. Everything I've said leading up to this point has just been filler for me to say Goldie Spawn. Goldie Spawn. And we actually Googled that and no one has typed Goldie Spawn in response to to Meredith Hegner being pregnant with Wyatt Russell's baby. And I really do not understand how I am the first person to make that joke. Goldie Spawn? Come on! (laughs) So exciting. So exciting for you. <laughs> love how much you love that. All right. We've come completely off the rails. Do you have any more trivia for me? No, no. I think, uh, you know, it's um, probably best to leave that where it is. Except for the fact that Meredith Hagner was in a music video. I know last week we talked about Eric Roberts being in Rihanna's music video. Okay. Uh, Hit me with it. I don't uh, think it was Rihanna. I'm, no, I'm guessing. No, this is far less celebrated. I'm uh, guessing indie band. Wasn't she an Ingrid Goes West? She too? was an she's Ingrid like, Goes West. Yeah, yeah she's got yeah. that kind of like alternative, yeah, you know, hippie vibe to her. So she was in a music video for a song called Rich White Girls by Mansions, <laughs> and that's Mansions with a Z. Okay, uh, sure. Which was a, a hip hop duo with actually one of the guys is Mike Posner of Pill and Ibiza <laughs> fame, which I okay. think was like a song of the summer. Uh, a couple of summers ago. ago. Sure. It's not as exciting as Rihanna, but... No. You know. Congratulations on being pregnant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We wish you nothing but the best, Meredith Hagner. If there were a way for us to order you a baby gift, we probably would. What would Gwen get Meredith Hagner for Meredith Hagner's pregnancy? Oh, gosh. What, what would have the personal touch? I don't know. I mean, if she had if she had any sense of humor at all, she would get the baby a onesie that said Goldie Spawn on it. Yeah. <laughs> That's the perfect gift. 
What was it? Perfetto? Sì, sì, sì il perfetto regalo di bambino. In this sure. case. He just cursed at me in Italian. You all heard it. <laughs> or I said the perfect baby gift, one or the other. Sure. Well, I'll never know. <laughs> all right. Should we, should we land this plane? I think so. Okay. You can follow us on Instagram at husband and wife time. If you like this episode, please rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks. Bye. Bye.